Welcome back to Home Design Chat with Nancy. If you're remodeling or building a new home, you don't want to miss these podcasts. We share information about every component of your home. You'll learn about tile, appliances, cabinets, paint, flooring, lighting. We have it all. Well, this is episode 18, season 5. We're just moving along. It should have been episode 19, but I do have to explain if you're one of the subscribers or if you listen to my podcast, and I hope you do, that last week I couldn't do a podcast because of some um, problems that we were having technically. So I just um, hope that you enjoyed the last podcast that was done two weeks ago with Kelly Lamb, and she was the, or still is, the editor of Rue. So enjoy that. I thought, man, nobody's going to miss me. Everybody deserves a a break. And even though I talk a lot, I think uh, I deserved a break from podcasting. So this week we have Gil Olachea. He is the owner of Ceramica, which is a fantastic uh, tile showroom in Scottsdale. But I, I do have to note that it's uh, not open to the public, and Gil will explain why. So, Gil, thank you very much for joining me, and I, I might say thank you for coming back because we have done several podcasts, and usually we do it about trends, right? Yes, and you're welcome. <laughs> and so this week, because you went to coverings, which you're going to explain what that is, I thought we would do a synopsis of what you saw at coverings and what's going on in the world of tile. So firstly, if I wasn't in the business of design, I would probably wonder what the heck is coverings? What are they covering? So every industry has a trade show of some sort, whether it's fabric, furniture, electronics, semiconductors, automobiles, name it, and there's a trade show. Same thing with tile, counters, and things of that nature. So coverings is a trade show that specifically targets the trades and those people that are, are involved in tile, manufacturing, slabs, mosaics, handmade ceramic tiles, and other hard surface uh, manufacturers. So we get together with the exhibitors. Those are the people that provide the products and with myself who actually purchases from them uh, and represents those manufacturers to my clients. And my clients are predominantly interior designers and architects and luxury home builders. And that, that is where Ceramica does not really participate with the retail consumer public. And we specifically deal with only the trades. Hmm. Of which I am one. And thank you very much for letting me in your front door. Yeah, you're welcome. This year's venue was held in Las Vegas. It kind of jumps around across the country, anywhere from Florida, New Orleans, Chicago, uh, Las Vegas. Yeah. Next year, I believe it's going to be back in Orlando. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, did you say, how was the attendance this year because of COVID? I know everything is going up and down. Yeah, it was, the attendance was, my, in my opinion, rather low. I hadn't actually been back to the show in over two years. Um, and as a result, many of the exhibitors were presenting electronically, digitally. So you can kind of tie in through either a podcast, a website, or some venue along those lines. Uh, There was, in my opinion, there was an extraordinary low level of attendees, which made it very nice for me. I flew in on a Wednesday morning. It was was the second week of April. 
and left Wednesday night and basically had the entire day to do anything I wanted to do with my vendors or kind of peruse new potential products and vendors. Um, there was the start, the show started the Monday of that week and the exhibitors told me that there wasn't much of attendance there. Typically in every trade show, Wednesday, the middle of the week is when it's the highest level of attendance. And by that measure, there was a relatively low level here at Coverings. I joked around with a few individuals by saying, you know, I, I could have stood at one end of the aisle and thrown a bowling ball down it and not hit anybody. Wow. And the aisle could have been 50 yards and would not have hit anybody. Well, for but the attendee was... who's been to those shows where it's so crowded you can't even get through the aisles or you have to wait forever to talk to somebody if you have a question, that would be great. It's like a personal show. Yes, the indicator for me is that most of the pavilions, in this case, the Italian, Spanish, and Turkish, and Brazilian pavilions usually have something they give as a, as a refreshment. The Italian is known for their espresso bar. Uh, generally speaking, you're going to wait. If you want espresso, you want a coffee through, from the Italian pavilion, you're going to be five to six people behind and just waiting and waiting and waiting to be served. I walked up, and within 30 seconds, I was handed a, an espresso. Now, that's nice. Yeah. That's worth going. It makes it worth being there. <laughs> um, so what did they give you from uh, the turkey venue? They also were very proud of presenting their Turkish coffee, uh, oh. a bit stronger than the Italian espresso. Um, Spain, that pavilion, offered uh, tea and coffee as well. In past years they would offer a light breakfast and a lunch that was specific to the country that they represented. That wasn't the case this year. Cutting so there was costs, some, right? There was cost, cut, cost cutting across across the board. I saw that not only in the, in the um, displays and the exhibits, but certainly in the things that they were given away. Very little in terms of the perks and the giveaways that normally are accompanying trade shows. Hmm. But then again, I was there just for one mission, and that was to evaluate potential new vendors and new products. Mm. Well, what else was uh, really jumped at you as you were going through the aisles? There was an extraordinary level of presence by India. In past years, and again, I haven't been there in two years. Um, two years ago, India didn't have a predominant presence. This year... It, they were, they had an extraordinary level of, of presence at the show, and they were presenting predominantly all of their stone products. And uh, I see them coming as an, as a, as a progressive player in the next few years, and player that would probably take on a country like Turkey in terms of presenting products that are manufactured, fabricated out of stone. Hmm. I wasn't aware that India was in the stone industry. They were, for the most part, they were, they produced slate. They're known around the world as slate producers, hmm. but they have really been finding some nice stone quarries in throughout their, their countries. And they represent different strata from north to south. Um, and they've gotten their act together, knowing and realizing that they do have some natural resources that could be quarried and put into the marketplace. And where do you think their price point's going to be? Is it a more they're, expensive? They're, be, they're much lower than everybody else. Oh. Um, 
kind of what like China did when they first started. They were very low. They're building their quality level. India's uh, attention to quality and service is, is extraordinary. I really liked and saw where they were putting their, their focus. Uh, they realized that if they're going to break into the market, they have to have an offering, they have to have service, and they have to have price. Hmm. Well, at that point, we have to talk about Monogram. They are intelligent appliances, and they're built to enhance your kitchen, your cuisine, and beyond. Experience peace of mind, convenience, and an optimized performance with their Smart HQ app, which elevates the way you interact with your home and appliances by allowing you to do things like preheating your oven from your phone and checking how much time remains in your dishwasher cycle. You can go to monogram.com if you want to learn more about their products, but be aware that you can get a smart app, but you've got to have a smart appliance. And I always say this, and years ago when they first came out, I don't think people were aware of how this works. So if you have an existing refrigerator and it's a monogram, it's not going to work with the app because it's not set up for that. So I would suggest you go to your local showroom or go on to monogram.com and learn more about smart appliances. Well, let's talk about the trends that you saw at uh, Coverings. First and foremost, Nancy's color. Uh, the, the past few years has been basically white marbles or anything white and black or gray. Uh, color is was really predominant. Um, very apparent that everyone is, all the manufacturers are jumping off the proverbial bandwagon of white and gray and black and introducing color. Uh, color like green, blue, red, pink, um, and also just the mixing of different type of design slants, taking retro and classic and contemporary designs and mixing them together to come up with really interesting outcomes. I even saw that there was a few manufacturers um, introducing what I'm going to call a grunge look. It just looks like maybe something that was mixed together, threw it together, blended it, and threw it on the floor or on the wall. Uh, interesting. I would I would have probably promoted it into the hospitality um, business network. Uh, but it was really interesting to see how people are really coming out of the shell. Uh, manufacturers, manufacturers are just really pushing back on the marketplace with color and design blends. Yeah, I think um, people are well, somewhat getting tired of being in their house or seeing the whites and the grays, like you said. And so they're trying to bring in a lot of bright colors, uh, the greens, the blues, the turquoise, reds, yellows. Uh, every color is in. I, I personally, when I design, I don't use that color on a product that is too expensive to replace. So if you want to put it on a backsplash, um, I would say, fine, they'll brighten up your kitchen. But if you did the whole house in a color that you're not crazy about, but you think it's in, don't do it. I wouldn't suggest it unless you have the money to just keep doing your house over. Okay. Well, the, trend, the trends I could kind of break up into major categories of material like porcelain, stone, luxury tile, and then a catch-all for everything, everything else. Yeah. Um, under porcelain is large format. In large format, two years ago, it was 24 inches by 48 inches. Now it's easily 60 by 60. So we're talking a tile that can be placed on a floor or a wall that's five feet by five feet. 
And as a result, these manufacturers are realizing that the tile install installation industry, the, the actual contractors that install the product, they're sick and tired of lifting these 150-pound large format porcelain tiles. So the manufacturers are now producing very lightweight porcelain tiles. Um, I actually have one in my showroom that measures four feet by four feet and weighs 32 pounds. In other words, I can actually lift it myself with no help. Uh, not but, that I would want that for installation, however. So they're probably doing something with the material to make it lighter. Does that mean that if somebody drops something on it, it's going to crack more easily? Not at all. Uh, that's a factor of two things. One that you just mentioned, material that goes into it. They're using a higher purity content, higher quality material to produce the thinner, lighter weight porcelain large format tiles. Secondly is the way it's installed. The materials that are that are being utilized and developed for installation have come up uh, to a, a much higher degree of quality over the past few years. So that's the, basically the adhesive, what's commonly known as thin set that goes on the floor, uh, and which is also applied to the wall. And now there's uh, the, the tile installers are being educated and trained into how to actually install these large format tiles without incurring any bubbles or voids underneath the tile. If something were to be dropped on it, then would crack. So a combination of two things, the quality material of the porcelain tile, as well as the quality of installation. Mm. So these large format tiles, do they also come in ceram uh, ceramic? Because I wanted you to explain the difference between porcelain and ceramic. Right. Now, ceramic has a limitation on size. And the reason is ceramic gets fired or cured in a kiln. And most kilns are relatively small. Um, Large kilns are, are, are somewhere in the five foot uh, by five foot range. There are industrial kilns that have a conveyor system that run for tens of, if not dozens of yards in length, but that's predominantly used for porcelains, not ceramics. Ceramics have a tendency to twist, bend and bow um, over if, if the temperature gets out of control. So the clay that's used in ceramic tile manufacturing operates and functions a little different. Its behavioral characteristics is different than that of porcelain. Porcelain is a lot more forgiving and also um, gives way to being manufactured in very large formats. How do they manufacture porcelain? If the ceramic goes in the kiln, how do they make the porcelain? Good question. Porcelain is made of a sand. Uh, and the higher the purity of level of sand, which is what we call silica in the industry, uh, that is what actually produces the, uh, uh, the porcelain product itself. Whereas with a ceramic tile, we're using a uh, clay to manufacture it. So clay comes out of the earth. So does sand, obviously, but they're two different materials. So the color on the ceramic is on the top, right? Correct. The porcelain, the color goes all the way through? With some manufacturers, they have color that's on the surface. Just it penetrates the shallow depth of the of the tile itself. With porce, with ceramic, it generally is just a glaze that is um, that is attached to the surface of the, the the clay tile and then placed into a kiln for curing. Okay. Uh, so I bet you, you guys who are listening to this didn't realize that you were going to get so much information on tile, but this is so interesting, especially because everybody wants a tile in their home. It used to be years ago, wall-to-wall -wall carpeting was the in thing, and we're talking many years ago. Now, 
it's stone or tile. So you should know the difference in tiles if you're going to do it in your home. Or even if you have somebody do it for you, you should know what's going on. Uh, let's get back to these large format tiles. You said you have one in your showroom that's 48 by 48. It weighs 32 pounds. But how many people does it take to lay that tile? Forget the wall. Lay it on the floor. I would yeah, think that's the, difficult. Generally, it, two individuals, two, two installers can, can manage that very nicely. Uh, there are large format tiles that are much thicker and he way heavier or way more than this 32-pound four-foot tile, in which case you're going to require two men and a boy to install it and requires a different type of, of uh, thin set to accommodate that weight. Yeah, well, as you know, I'm doing a project right now where the floor tiles are 48 by 24, and there's no way I could lift one. I don't know how they're doing that, but, hey, I give them all the credit, and I'm not the one installing now, what's interesting, that particular tile that you have installed, 48 inches by 24 inches, weighs 35 pounds per tile, as opposed to this four-foot tile that I was just explaining where it weighs 32 pounds. Right. So more coverage, less weight, and the the ability for either one to withstand high, high foot traffic, whether it's commercial and or residential, they're very much very com uh, comparable. Okay. And then with these large format tiles or any tiles, I always ask my installer to uh, do tight joints. We're talking about the space where they put the grout. And years ago, they used to use, what, about a quarter inch spacers. And you saw the grout. I mean, it was, it created a pattern. When you'd look at the room, you'd see the grout as a crosshatch pattern. Now, if they hold it as tight as possible, and I'm not sure what that is, is it one eighth? What's the tightest? It varies. There are some installers that will um, butt the tiles up against each other. I do not recommend that whatsoever. Sixteenth of an inch is tolerable with with uh, high quality porcelain tiles. One eighth of an inch is what I recommend, and the reason I recommend one eighth of an inch grout joint is that you want to push that grout all the way from the top surface of the tile all the way to the bottom of it. So the 3 8 inch thick porcelain tile, which is a typical thickness, you want that grout to penetrate 3 8 of an inch all the way down. It's difficult to do that when the grout joint is less than an eighth of an inch. This, this, four, this four foot by four foot tile that I was speaking of, its thickness is only three sixteenths of an inch. So it's much easier to push the grout from the top of the tile to the very bottom of it against the floor. Mm. Um, I was going to say that the tile that I'm using has a texture to it. It's absolutely beautiful. So um, I don't know where that fits in price, but if you're going to put tile on the floor, you want to spend, spend the money for it because you're going to be walking on it all the time. Cheap tile, you get a cheap look. Do you agree with that? Yeah, you're actually the old idiom is you get what you pay for. It applies yeah. here. You're going to pay $4 a square foot tile. You're going to get that kind of, of wear and or performance. You'll have issues with it. Guaranteed you'll have issues with it. And, of course, it doesn't have to be sealed. Porcelain tile or ceramic tile doesn't have to be sealed. But do they seal the grout? Correct. All grout, irrespective of what the material is, stone, porcelain, ceramic, must be sealed. It's basically a cementous base um, material, and it will absorb moisture and moisture of any nature, whether it's juice, wine, 
simply water, whatever the case may be. You want to seal it, and which will slow down the process of absorption and staining of that grout. Mm. Now, talk about the finishes that they have, the antibacterial and the antimicrobial finishes on the tile. How do they do that? What's happening is in the industry, uh, they've kind of been really doing a good job by listening to consumers and the commercial markets as well. And there's high, there was a high concern for surfaces, whether it be a counter surface, floor, wall, whether it's a hospital, whether it's home, whether it's hospitality, and to cut down on any transference of bacteria or even in the kitchen, anything between uh, food sources. So with porcelains, you can't really do it with stone or even with ceramic, but with porcelains, you can manufacture a porcelain and integrate in the silica sand that goes into manufacturing the porcelain tile an ingredient which actually repels and rebuffs bacteria and, and microbial type of elements. Many of the porcelains that are manufactured in Europe, Spain, Portugal, Italy, uh, are actually finding themselves into commercial restaurants. They'll use that porcelain for the countertops. You can actually cut beef, lamb, seafood on the same surface. Just wipe it down quickly. You don't need to have a devoted surface for chicken, as it were, and then a devoted surface for fish so you, do, you avoid the cross-contamination. So this has become, especially since the last two plus years of COVID, it's become a high-level concern. So the porcelain manufacturers have come out with another way of actually promoting their products by offering something that you can't really get out of stone or even ceramic or other type of materials. And that is that they have antimicrobial surfaces and also antibacterial surfaces. Hmm. Is there anything that would ruin that finish? In other words, lemon juice or... Good question. The answer is... If you have quality, you good quality product, you're not going to have a problem with that. I have a display in my showroom where I will take a knife and or a coin and just strike it to the surface many times, running it back and forth. And the surface will of the coin will actually become degraded. In other words, it wears out. Mm. I, can actually, I can sharpen a knife on this same porcelain surface and there would be no impact whatsoever to the look fit, form, or finish of the porcelain surface. Okay. Explain the difference between pavers and ordinarily ordinary tiles. Uh, somebody yeah. says, oh, I need a paver. Where would they put it? How is it made? Good question. Pavers in the past used to be really offered as a stone product or even a concrete, a formed concrete product. Uh, the porcelain manufacturers have come out with porcelains that are about five-eighths of an inch thick, plus or minus, that can now be used outdoors, patios, around pools, or even in applications where you're going to want to highlight your garage floor if you have a a high-end couple of vehicles that you want to display. So these pavers are now penetrating the stone, predominantly was was owned by the stone marketplace, and what they offer, what the porcelain manufacturers offer in pavers, are textures, colors, sizes. Um, you can now take a porcelain, put it outdoors that matches what you've just installed indoors. So you have a seam, seamless integrated look. 
indoors all the way through the outdoors. But is the thickness the same? No. Indoors it, and outdoors? Typically, the indoor tile is three-eighths of an inch or, some, or, or thinner. And you want to go thicker on the outdoors because you're going to have more abuse, probably more things that are being drugged over or, or rolled over the surface uh, that would have more weight. You want that tile to be able to um, put up with whatever is going to be abusing it. Right. And how do they install pavers? Uh, you can install it in two predominant ways. One is the conventional where you uh, put down a bed of gravel. And it usually is three plus inches thick. And then sand over that, about two inches thick. The sand gets compacted. And then the paver gets placed right over that. And then there's a special sand that is uh, applied to the top surface, which makes its way through the joints of the pavers, keeps it all intact. The other is just to actually lay it down with cement on a cement um, substrate. Like if you have a current or existing patio that's made out of cement, you can actually attach the pavers with cement onto the the concrete uh, paver or the floor itself. Okay. And typically, how big are they? I've seen them 12 by 12. Do they come bigger? Good question. Um, Hey, Gil, I'm full of good questions. Just keep answering them. (laughs) (laughs) Good question, because I actually was surprised to see a paver that was five feet by five feet. A paver. I'm not kidding you. A paver. I was, I was, it was, I was incredulous when I first saw it. I thought it was just a, a, a mock. Uh, no, I'm afraid were, to ask how much that weighed. I asked, in the, and I didn't get a, a straight answer, which tells me it's probably pretty heavy. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess it's probably 120, 130 pounds. Well, that would take um, a hoist to lift. Yeah. So porcelain is coming out into the marketplace in grand fashion, where in the past they just had this small segment Five years ago, porcelain basically just was relegated to interior floors and sometimes walls. Uh, I'm finding porcelains are being manufactured for all applications, ceilings, floors, walls, fireplaces, commercial, hospitality, residential. Years ago, I did a lot of um, old world look interiors, and there was no question. It was always travertine. Every single house had to have travertine, and that's a natural stone. And then people started using the porcelain that looks like travertine, the advantage being less money, less to install. You don't have to seal it. And bottom line, it costs less. So do you agree with that? Right. Yeah, that was the case years ago. Um, The technology of producing porcelain today has advanced so so quickly and at such a high level that you can actually take a look at a porcelain product that you would swear looks like stone, looks like a marble, looks like a limestone, looks like a travertine. In fact, it looks better than the natural product itself uh, at, a, at reduced prices and without maintenance. And because of that, homeowners are really turned on by it and designers love working with it because they're so versatile. I can't remember the last time I used real stone because the advantage of um, the low maintenance and the bottom line cost was always very attractive to the homeowners. And I tend to agree with them. 
Yes. So when you have to walk into a home and guess if it's natural stone or porcelain, you know that you picked the right porcelain. Right. I, I have, and you've seen in my showroom, Nancy, where I can place a porcelain Kalakata uh, marble next to the real thing. The real thing is 100 to $120 a, a square foot, depending on the spot market. The porcelain runs about 12 to $15 a square feet, foot, and you have a difficult time determining and distinguishing which is real, which is not. Well, if it's that close, what do you think about mixing the real with the porcelain? I recommend against it. In, however, there are special cons- situations where it's done. It can be done and done well. Um, mixing it, you're not going to have the color matching. Porcelain is going to be really consistent in color match, color variation. Natural products makes no difference what it is, whether it's leather, stone. It's You're going to have natural variation in color. Well, there's always a difference between the real and the faux, let's face it. So I would suggest whatever you're comfortable with. Now, there's one item that we have to mix. If you, excuse me, if you really like Calicata or um, Carrera in your bathroom, we don't suggest that you put that real stone in a shower. So you can actually switch and use a porcelain Carrera or Calicata. Nobody would ever know and then continue with the real stone in the rest of the main part of the bathroom. Agree? Yes, I do. Yeah, and water applications, I'm a proponent for going with a porcelain or ceramic product. Just avoid the maintenance issues and the complex, uh, the complexities of of having water penetrate the grout and possibly create a mold situation. Um, We have a number of designers that will mix stone with a porcelain and they will intentionally pick maybe a color contrasting porcelain or stone so that it, you can't identify any color variance between the real product and the porcelain product. Well, what was the item that you saw the most at coverings that we're seeing in every single house on Zillow? Well, what's still on Zillow is still what's being in, what's in demand today, and that's you know, anything that's a marble, white marble with gray veining and or a dark stone or dark uh, porcelain. Oh, I uh, was actually hoping that you would say the engineered tile, planks, vinyl, wood-looking. You saw. You said you saw a lot of that at coverings. Uh, yes, yes. I I was really amazed and impressed. Uh, this marketplace called Luxury Vinyl Tile, LVT, and also Engineered Tiles and Planks. Um, I'm not on Zillow. <laughs> I stay away from those venues, so I'm not sure what, the, what actually is being presented there, uh, whether it's Pinterest or anything else of that nature. No, no, let me just tell you. Everybody knows about Zillow. As soon as a house goes up for sale, it goes on Zillow. With the, the way the housing market is, all of the people are selling their houses for many, many times what it's worth, and they're all redoing the interiors, and they're going with the least possible priced product, which is the vinyl. So I'll look at, I'm hooked on Zillow. I look at Zillow all the time, and every interior house that's been done by an investor who's flipping the house, they're all the gray vinyl, gray and white vinyl. They all look like carbon copies of themselves. Right, and it's, it's a relatively inexpensive product. Um, the quality has really escalated over the past few years. 
The offering is unbelievable. All of my uh, vendors are, are asking if I would like to display it, and I don't. It's not a marketplace I participate in. But I do see its value in a mid-level home or entry-level home. It's easy to install, easy to maintain. Um, if you don't like it after a few years, you can rip it out and replace it. Price points are generally anywhere from the real low-end, low quality of $6 a square foot to about $18 a square foot for the truly luxury-type product. There's one thing I wanted to ask you about, and I'm seeing this on Pinterest. And every time I see it, I think, oh, my God, what would Gil do? There are people who are suggesting that if you want to change the look of your bathroom or your kitchen, just paint over your tiles. I cannot believe that people are actually doing this. There are actually epoxy-based paints that are being promoted to painting tile, whether it's stone or porcelain or ceramic. Uh, the issue with that is you're going to have to also paint the grout, and the epoxy does a relatively good job of sticking to the grout, but now you have a monolithic color. Everything is the same color. Uh, if you get really creative, you can take another paint color and paint over the grout, so you have some separation between the fuel tile and the grout. Uh, it's a look that I have, I have yet to see pulled off real nicely. It looks okay, but it's not something that my clients will ever do. I would never suggest that. Well, we're going to talk about some of the uh, problems that the industry is having as soon as I talk to you about Studio 41. Their showrooms are constantly evolving. When you walk into Studio 41 showrooms, you're wowed. Studio 41 is different because of the variety of products, from bath fixtures to cabinetry to the large selection of cabinetry. And if you're in Illinois, you get to see... Uh, windows. There is one store or one showroom in Scottsdale that I use all the time. They don't happen to have windows. That's fine with me because they have the largest selection of door hardware I have ever seen. So if you're wondering what Studio 41 is like and you don't live in Illinois or you don't live in Scottsdale, you can go onto their website, visit them at shopstudio41.com. If you do happen to live in Illinois or Studio or Scottsdale, Go visit their showroom. You will absolutely love it. Okay, Gil, here's the uh, the bottom line. Boy, this is hitting me and everybody else, and it's the um, the delays in deliveries. And uh, we're experiencing that with tile as well as I've experienced it with some parts for my cabinets and other things that I have to wait for because there's such a long lag time. Um, tell us what's going on. Lead times have extended in my industry as well, and I've seen it with other industries, whether it's lighting or plumbing, um, appliances. We're all suffering from the same thing. It's what's been over-talked about, and that's supply chain management or the lack of management. Um, what I heard throughout the pavilions at Coverings was all pretty common in terms of a thread that went from one pavilion to the other. The availability of qualified labor was low. The cost of labor was increasing. The rising cost of freight was increasing. The energy costs are, are going up, and we see that on a daily consumer basis as well. Mm -hmm. um, so lead times are a problem, but that isn't where it really it terminates. 
Uh, with my products, most of my handmade products, anywhere from eight to 12 weeks to manufacture it, that's just production time. Now we have to wait for it to be packaged, picked up, put onto a container, onto a freight carrier, or even locally across the United States on a freight truck, and then have it arrive to my showroom or to whatever showroom that you're shopping at. Um, I'll give you an example. A major uh, small package delivery service in, in our nation, I paid for two-day delivery. Uh, after the seventh day of my check-in on tracking, stating it was in transit, I just had the manufacturer resend the product. I never received the first shape, shipment that was still in transit. Four days after it was shipped from the manufacturer, I got the second backup shipment. It, and this is, I'm seeing this across the board for all of my products. My manufacturers, my, my vendors are all complaining about the very same thing as well. And it, it's not just freight, it's everything. Uh, I recently had a conversation with one of my handmade tile manufacturers, and she was explaining they, they have difficulty getting clay now because there's such a small manufacturer that the vendors are now taking whatever limited raw resources are available and they're selling it to their large clients because of loyalty, because of profitability. And they figure that in three years, who's going to be left is going to be the big guys and not the small manufacturers. Um, and it just gets worse from there. Not to paint a bleak picture, but the reality is the entire industry across the world is encountering issues with lead times and freight, lead times in manufacturing, lead times in obtaining raw materials, and then it just becomes complicated with labor. So once you're given a delivery time, then that's really not written in stone or porcelain. Because I know with some of my tile, you've had to change the delivery date. What's causing that? Predominantly, the manufacturers are doing a pretty good job by, by producing their products, in this case, tile. Then it just sits on the dock waiting for an available container to become to come to the surface and load the product into the container. And in this case, with some of the product that you that you purchased for a project, it comes from Australia. Um, we're waiting now for, for containers to become available. Worldwide, there is a container shortage. Worldwide, there's a freighter, a ship freighter, over-the-ocean over freighter shortage. And so the product will sit on the dock and just accumulate there until there is a container and then a freighter that's scheduled to pick it up. And then, of course, once it comes to the United States, it will go to a dock, whether it's in the West Coast, Long Beach, California, Long Beach or Los Angeles, California, or in Portland, if it's going to be on the East Coast and be various other ports, and they just sit there in a, in a queue waiting for them to, to be pulled into port to be unloaded. And then it goes through customs, and it goes through the process where that container now needs to be put onto a truck and taken to its final destination. And because of shortages of everything, whether it's a truck, whether it's a driver, whether it's a port, whether it's anything else, it just stacks up. Uh, I tell people now, if you like it, Order it. Buy it now. Do not wait. You wait, you're basically losing your reservation, and you may not get that product in the time frame that you want. Mm. Well, specifically, let's talk about that uh, shell backsplash tile that we had to buy because the customer likes it, and there was uh, no sense in waiting, right? 
right. Yeah, it was a mother of pearl material in a, in a mosaic or a wall application. And my guidance was to purchase it I, and just store it. If you love it, buy it. If you, if, if you really want it, buy it. Don't wait. The I'm seeing so many manufacturers right now discontinuing products for a variety of reasons, either low demand, uh, the, the availability of raw materials, the availability to manufacture it because of, of equipment broken, it can't be fixed, so on and so forth. Well, I think our time is up because I know we both have a lot of work to do, but I do want to say that you're probably one of the most um, intelligent and knowledgeable tile people I have ever met. And for you people out there who are wondering how to get in touch with Gil, you can't because he is wholesale only. And that means that if you're working with a designer, then that designer can work with Ceramica. I work with Ceramica all the time, but you can't just walk through his door. So this is just fair warning. But I don't think there's any question I've ever asked you, Gil, that you didn't know the answer. So you're a plethora of information. You should be a teacher. <laughs> Prior lifetime, I actually was a professor at the State University of New York. Oh, good to know. And where's that New York accent? I guess you didn't get that. Yeah, it, I, I frequently visited Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming back. I, you know, I can't remember the last time you were here, but I know I got a lot of people listening. We talked about trends in tile, as we usually do. But, you know, this time there's that monkey wrench in there, and it's the, um, the backlog of what we're going through. And I know my customers are going through the same thing. No matter who you know, you can't get the tile any faster. It just doesn't work that way, right? That's true. Yeah. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed today's show, and please subscribe on the platform that you're using to listen to these podcasts. And don't forget to share them with your friends. We have so much information on these podcasts. If you want to learn more about me, you can go to nancyhugo.com. And if you have any questions for me or for Gil, email me at nancy at nancyhugo.com. In the meantime, stay safe. Have a great day. Keep listening. Bye now. Bye, Gil. Thank you, Nancy. Bye. Okay, Gil, I guess we'll get back to work, huh? And I've got a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, well, have a good weekend. You know, what's really interesting is that manufacturer for that 12 by 24 tile for uh, McLeod. Yeah. I have other products coming from them. I just, today just received notification. They can't get a container that was supposed to ship tomorrow. They can't get it. It was promised to them. I checked on it on Monday. Mm. They said everything's good. I, this morning, I received a message from saying they can't get a container for other product that I have coming in. Um, in fact, the architect that I told you about, uh, Oppenheimer. The one that, that uh, Florence working with? Yeah. Correct. It's his project. Oh. It was custom-made product that he wanted, and I was supposed to have it uh, in, in three weeks. Now it's been delayed five weeks. Uh, and it's because they cannot get it. They can't get a container. <sighs> When, if you know what, if Elon Musk would put his money into this, maybe that would help. Forget <laughs> Twitter, just help us with this. Um, I was going to say, oh, the two-by-twos that we're getting for the shower floor, you know, made out of that, uh, when is that going to be in? Because Florence said he would pick that up and the backsplash tile. So. It's scheduled to arrive Wednesday of next week. Okay. So when it does come in, I'll just call him or I'll send him a message, copying you on the message. 
so that you know what's happening. Just advise it. He can pick it up anytime he wants. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. I'll email you the picture of what it's looking like, the floor tile. He's doing an amazing job. The one question he had was, do you mind if I lay it uh, where, as you walk in the front door, you're seeing 24 and 48 is running across the room? And I said, why would that be? And he had a reason for it. I can't remember. <laughs> but I said, hey, whatever you think is right, I'm not going to get bent out of shape if it's running the other way. So uh, He's actually a pretty creative guy. I've, I've noticed where he's made suggestions or he's brought to my attention some things that he's done. And I thought, you know, for a town staller, he's really creative. But think of his background. He's a general contractor. He yeah. said he used to travel around so much in Europe doing the work. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Well, have a good weekend. I'm going to end this, and uh, I'll talk to you next week. All right, Nancy. Have okay. a good weekend. Thank okay. you. Bye-bye.